Hello, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, Mindy Joy here. And this morning, my portion of the Bible reading was 1 Samuel chapter 5 through 8 in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Luke chapter 14. Now, I follow a Bible reading plan from a ministry called Bible for Food, and I read the Bible throughout the year, and every morning I read and I journal in some way, and I seek God and have open ears to see what God might be saying to me about anything about himself, about areas that I that convict me, about things that inspire me, things that encourage me, things that give me wisdom and knowledge, because his word is the ultimate wisdom and knowledge. So I'm going to start at 1 Samuel chapter 5, and there's so much here that just came out to me over things that I'm dealing with today. And we all deal with things every day because every day is the good fight of faith. Every day is a day that we have to watch our thought life, that we should be before God to see how we can help other people through him, through him. That's the difference. Not because we're so amazing and we're better than, and we have um, the answers, you know, we're like, you know, I'm big sister here who just is the sum total of you know, knowledge and goodness and wonderfulness and talent and you need me. No, that's not it at all because ultimately I want anybody who hears me to be attracted to God and attracted to God's word and the whole focus is on God. Um, I particularly, um, you know, like to call him Jesus, Yeshua, my Lord, my Savior, my King. Um, this is my God. So I, I'm a, moral, a, mortal, a mortal person that's going to die one day. So if you put all your faith in me or look to me for the sum total of knowledge and help, you're going to fall because I'm just mortal man. I got my own issues and everything. But I hope to be an example of how to one way, one way to read the Bible because the, you know, this ancient text and to hopefully hear the word of God for yourself and what God is saying to you. So I'm putting myself on blast and I'm exposing the way that I do my Bible immersion and my time with the Lord. And just whoever wants to listen to this, I'm just completely transparent and um, maybe I'm foolish to do this, but I'm a fool for God. I, I just want to, in my lifetime, help somebody. When I say in my lifetime, due to the amazing technology of our day and these recordings, somebody can hear this after I die. So I just want my life to mean something. First um, Samuel chapter 5, the Philistines and the Ark. When the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and bought it, brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. So here we see, you know, the Philistines who um, had their own gods and they were a pagan nation and they were at odds with Israel that God had set aside to worship him 
the God of, you know, the God of creation, of course, we see over and over, it was really hard to do that. And they kept wanting to be like the other pagan nations, because they kept thinking that the other religions of other people would have more to offer, would be more fun, whatever. So they didn't have as much respect for the ark um, of God, which was their way of not their way, but the way that God had instituted at that time, there was a physical ark, you know, that there was a whole system of worship. So we've read that in previous chapters, but now this ark is stolen. Um, and we do see in the previous chapters in First Samuel that they didn't really cherish the ark so much. They were all doing their own thing. And, and God had become, you know, more and more growingly, insignificant what God thought what he had told him the ways to please him it was growing more and more insignificant to them and as time grew on they were more and more seduced by the way that the other nations were conducting their worship their way of life and it always included um sexuality it included oh my goodness it included oppression and for some reason you know just think about it I mean what, you know, look about, look at the mainstream movies and books, you know, the human flesh wants drama. It wants to see something about war and just a little bit of violence, and a little bit of sexual content. And the mainstream movies are usually contained that in action every two seconds, you know, that we would be stimulated all the time. And it's usually not like, you know, the nicey, nice rated G movies that are the most um, popular. It's just, just the nature of um, the flesh nature of man. So anyways, the, the ark, they set it up. They think it's going to work. Like, we'll just add this to our repertoire of gods over here, and we'll put it in the house of Dagon. And this is actually, to me, very humorous. Verse 3, and when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face. This is like their statue idol. The statue on its own had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord, like it was bowing. It's like, like it was bowing and it was, um, you know, couldn't even stand on its own. So the statues, and I guess God was trying to get a hold of them. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. They were like, oh, no problem. This must have fallen last night. We don't know how, but we'll just put him back. Um, but when they rose early the next morning, this is the second time, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And I'm going to add again the second time. And the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Now something, you know, kind of creepy is up that is supernatural because unless somebody went in there and, you know, took the head off of this statue pagan thing and the hands off of Dagon, then um, what in the world happened? And they couldn't attribute it to anything else. And only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. So this was something that had an immense effect throughout history of these people. And then verse six says, the hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. So this sounds horrible. Like there was like this plague, they were all getting tumors. And, um, you know, everybody, you know, nowadays in our 
in our current culture, tumors is scary to us. We always think of that as synonymous or possibly or likely synonymous with cancer, the big C word. So, um, yeah, it was not a good day for to be a Philistinian um, in Ashdod at that time. And when the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God, you think? <laughs> and then verse eight, so they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, what shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? So, you know, sometimes, you know, the people on the outside of the body of Christ have a little bit more sense. Like they didn't, you know, question like, okay, God's mad at us. Um, he's, uh, you know, like this, this ain't going well for us. They didn't sit there and go, oh, maybe we should, you know, call a fast for 30 days and try to interpret this. Like they weren't in denial. Like obviously, you know, um, the ark is of, of a God that's much higher than their statue, Dagon God and Dagon God. And, um, you know, and obviously they're being judged. Like, it's like, duh, you know, and sometimes I wish, I'm just going to say it's side note here. I wish we as Christians or I'll point to myself, you know, I just pray, I'm going to pray it right now in Jesus name that Lord, when you're speaking to me to stop something, to not say something, to not proceed forward, um, or get my attention that, um, that I need to, you know, look on you for advice or for something and not just proceed with my own ideas and my own ego. Just, I just pray, Father, that on this day you get my, please, please, please convict me immediately um, so I'm not overanalyzing a situation that I need to just say, hey, this is not working and it's my fault. And I need to seek God for more wisdom. So I thank you for that, Father. And anybody who wants to be in agreement with me in this prayer who's listening, I pray for them too and for all of us in Jesus' name. Uh, let's see. They answered, let the ark of God of Israel be brought around to Gath. It's like, get it out of here. Send it, you know. Um, um, I live in um, Carson, California, it's like, send it to Whittier, send it to Compton, you know, send it to Long Beach, you know, send it to one of my neighboring cities, get it out of here, um, causing a very great panic. And he afflicted the men of the city, both young and old, so that tumors broke out on them. Um, yeah, so it, you couldn't say it was the, an immunity thing because even the young men had it Verse they had the tumor. So it was obviously not an immunity thing. Um, verse 10. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. But as soon as the ark of God came to Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, they have brought, brought around to us the ark of the God of Israel to kill us and our people. They sent therefore and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it return to its own place that it may not kill us and our people. So they're recognizing that the ark of God is out of place. It's supposed to be with Israel. Like I said, you know, sometimes people, you know, they act smarter than us Christians. Like, duh, it doesn't, you know, they, they were at least in some way giving, you know, respect of what this ark represented and where it belonged more so um, in a sense than the people of Israel than when they had it. For there was, um, reading on, for there was a deathly panic throughout the whole city. The hand of God was very heavy there. I mean, 
you know, side note, it's bad enough for God's hand to be heavy against something, but very heavy against you. Not a place I want to be. And then verse 12 says, the men who did not die were struck with tumors. So my goodness, it's telling us that many people died. Um, and so they they either died of the tumors or they just died. Um, and if they didn't die, they had tumors. Not a good day again. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. Hmm. I wonder if it went up to heaven that they were actually saying, look, we recognize, um, God, the God of this ark, you know, that, um, you know, they, they maybe cried out to him. Like we do recognize you are the highest God at this point. Um, you know, Dagon couldn't stand up to you, you know, nothing. And it was like a lament, you know, it was a, it was like a cry of remorse. It was almost like a prayer of remorse, maybe almost a repentance, you would say, I don't know. Um, but now I'm on chapter six, what's going to happen um, chapter six, the ark returned to Israel. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. So this whole thing with this plague, with COVID, um, did I say that? No, but this whole thing with um, what was going on was seven months. So we have a timeline here. And verse two, and the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? So Let's just see and take note here that the priests and the diviners that they're calling are not prophets of God. Okay, let's just, you know, duly noted. Tell us with what we shall send send it to its place. And so they said, if you send away the ark of God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand did, does not turn away from you. So it's interesting that even again, people that are out, you know, they're not worshipers of the most high God, even they get it, you know, to give a guilt offering to, to do offerings, to, um, to worship in some way, all, all people worship, even if you're an atheist, even if you're into human secularism, you worship the ideologies of man and, you know, the amazing things that the human mind can do and the philosophies and the inventions and things. Everybody worships something, even if it's yourself. It's just, we were just created to worship and believe something. Let me just put another word there to interject. Everybody believes something. Even if you believe that um, there is no existence of God and that um, everybody who believes in God is an idiot, that's your belief. That is your belief. That is your you know, that is your worship, you know, the human mind, your opinion of um, of what you think of the existence of God. I mean, we can't escape it. Every single human worships and believes something. It's just how we are, um, you know, and, and certain things you can't question. Like if you're driving and you come to a red light, if you keep saying, I don't believe that red means stop, I got my own truth it's not going to go real well for you. Eventually at one of those lights, you know, you're going to be hit by a car. So we got to, you know, uh, okay. Moving forward, <laughs> I think point taken. Um, let's see. Uh, so we know that the, they called for the diviners and the priests. They're like, okay, our ideas aren't working. Let's call for the, um, the experts, you know, the spiritual experts and, um, the leaders of our nation, they said, 
And they said, their answer was, if you, okay, we already went through this, that you needed to have an offering and then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. So they're like desperate. It's like, just take this plague from us. We don't want tumors. We don't want anyone else to die. Who would, right? Um, And verse four, and they said, what is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? And they answered, five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the Lord's of the Philistines for the same plague that was on all of you and on your Lord. So, um, and then verse five says, so you must make images of your tumors. So obviously of your tumors, they, again, they had tumors, the people that were trying to figure this out and send the ark off, they were dealing with tumors at the time and possibly great pain, whatever the side effects of those tumors were. And also images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from off you and your gods and your land. And may I mention, I'm reading from the um, English um, ES, English Standard Version. That's what I'm reading from, from this morning. Um, so I wanted to talk about this. So, um, you know, they're desperate. They're like, okay, we need this curse to be taken off from us. Obviously it came from God. How can this be reversed? Um, And they're remembering, you know, they're even giving testimony to like, we don't want to be like the Egyptians and Pharaoh when the plagues came on them. Like, we don't want to be those people, you know? And so, you know, we do have to recognize that this God is more powerful than all our gods. I'm paraphrasing um, where they were, you know, mentally and what they were saying and what was going on and and, and the panic and and the frantic and desperateness to find an answer and, and a cure for all this. So that was the best they came up with is to send, it makes sense, right? Send the ark away and send it with an offering, five golden tumors, because that was what they were, that was recognizing, I believe, like, we understand, you know, you God of the Israels, um, Israelites, we understand that this is judgment on us. These tumors were judgment on us. And so they, um, you know, used something valuable, gold, and created five gold tumors and then five golden mice. Now, um, the five, this is the first mention of mice in, in this account of the Ark with the Philistines and how they were being cursed. It's the first mention of mice as also um, the mice ravaged the land. And what happened in that region, I don't know if it still happens, but in that region of the Middle East, that there were times when there was like a... Um, um, a ravaging of mice, like the mice just would overtake the crops and just eat everything. And it was like overwhelming how many mice there would be. So it seems like this all happened simultaneously with the mice. Um, you know, just, it's interesting about mice. Um, I do not like mice. I don't find them cute. I don't want to pet hamster. I know some of you guys might have that and, you know, um, and that's great. I mean, I, I have a dog. I love my dog. And um, some of you might not be into having a pet at all. Um, however, um, I really don't like mice. And I can deal with a spider in the house or any kind of bugs. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll kill them myself. But one time I saw like this black furry mice in the house. It was like really small. It, it's like ran so fast that um you could barely see it but i saw i saw it and it i screamed you know like the proverbial you know person girl sees a mouse and screams i screamed so loud 
<laughs> and um, yeah, that was, I won't go into my mouse experience, but you know, we did get the mouse and it was so sad. Um, but I didn't want to see the mouse. I didn't want anything to do with the mouse. And that absolutely had nothing to do with anything. Um, so I apologize for that distraction. Okay. Um, so um, let's see, verse 6. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? And he had dealt severely with them and did not send the people away. And they departed. Um, af oh, after he had dealt severely with them, did they not send the people away and they departed? In other words, you know, Egypt would have been completely destroyed had they not sent away the people of Israel. So they're deducting in verse 7, Now then, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows on which there has never come a yoke, and yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home away from them. So... These would have been cows kind of in distress because I'm guessing because they were like their babies were their baby calves were taken away from them, you know, and I think even in animals, there's something that happens like, you know, they even have this, you know, affection towards their young and this bond with their young and um, there's also never been a yoke on them. So they're not used to being yoked. They're not used to, you know, being in um I can't think of a better word, but like in bondage, you know, to a cart. And so they're distressed. And so they're thinking it, it would truly be of, you know, the Lord um, to lead which direction these calves would go because they're not thinking right. I mean, these cows would go and, and take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put it in a box at its side, at, at its side, side the figures of the gold which you are returning to him as a guilt offering so they're they're modeling this on you know when in the egyptians of the time of the book of exodus when they were being plagued because god wanted them to leave and to worship in another land that he was going to show them um and pharaoh wouldn't do it they kept being cursed in a sense and what was the answer? Get get the Israelites out of here so we stop dealing with all these curses and judgment. Get them out of here. So their thought was, um, get the ark out of here. Just get it out of here. You know, that's how, and that was, that made a lot of sense. And they were actually right in that deduction. Then send it off and let it go its way and watch. So they're watching because they're like, is this the answer? Is this what really happened? And in verse 9, if it goes up on the way to its own land, which is where the ark came from, where they stole it from, to Beth Shemesh, then it is he who has done us this great harm, he meaning God. But if not, then we shall know that it's not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. And isn't it interesting, like, this is just being human. We always, we can have the most supernatural thing happen to us. And we always, our minds first want to think it's a coincidence, you know, that um, it's just a coincidence. And, um, you know, God can do a miracle and we have to, it's much easier for us to go to our own reasoning and our own analytical thought process to believe that than to believe that something could possibly be supernatural. Um, but the more that you know of God, the more that you stay in his word, the more that you pray and the more that you, you know, live out this life in Christ, the more that you begin to really hear his voice and really able to, um, to connect with a God that you don't see and to hear the truth and, and the, the real answers to problems. I promise you, you just stay on this journey with the Lord and it's, it's a very glorious 
adventurous life, not an easy one, but a very glorious, adventurous, exciting life every day. And I'm going to quote my friend um, and one of my mentors who says she adds to the, you know, after she thanks God, um, you know, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And she always adds, this is a day I've never seen before. And every day is like an adventure. So verse 10 the men did so and took two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice in the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Shemesh. I hope I'm saying that right. Along one highway, lowing as they went. They turned, um, I forgot to look up lowing. I don't, I don't know if that meant that they were um, in distress or happy. I have to look up lowing. Um, I'm tempted to do that now, but it will be distracting. They turned neither to the right nor to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. So these cows um, just went like a beehive, like bam. You know, they just went straight to um, to where the ark was originally from, <laughs> where they had captured it from. They neither turned to the right nor the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and when they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there. A great stone was there, and they split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. So they're recognizing, you know, this, this, this is not a coincidence. This came from God. And, you know, according to their, um, worship, you know, they, um, animal sacrifice in those days, they, it's just how God instituted it. And, um, so they, you know, sacrificed the cows to the Lord. Um, and also the cart that it was on it. Um, and also the cart, let's see, and made a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites, the Levites who were the ones who were trained and instructed and ordained to um, to take care of the ark, and the Levites took down, they were the priests, the Levitical priesthood, and the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which were the golden figures, and set them upon the great stone. So just a little side note about the Levites. We have to stay in our lane. It was the Levites' job to do this, not anybody else. So we need to know on every day of our life to seek, what is something you want me to do that I am not, you know, Lord, Lord, what from you that you want me to do? And even if somebody else isn't taking care of it, that I don't go like, you know, why don't you do this or whatever? Like maybe he's telling me to do something. Maybe he's telling me to say something to somebody. Maybe he's telling me to do a chore that in my mind, I'm thinking they should be the ones doing this, but God is telling me to do this. Um, and what am I not to do? Where am I stepping into somebody else's lane or trying to emulate somebody else, sound like somebody else, look like somebody else? And that's not my lane. Like God made them to be them, but um, he needs me to be what he created me to be. And that was um, very simple, right? So, um, so when the five lords, let's see, where was I at? Uh, verse 16, and when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron. These are the golden tumors that the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, 
one for Ashkelon and one for Gatha. See, that's one, two, three, four, and, and one for Ekron. So all of the five regions of Philistines that were they when they were dealing with um, the judgment of God and the tumors broke out, you know, for those seven months, all five of those areas, they the one of the golden tumors um, represented each one of those areas. And, you know, I'm like at this moment, want to take a sidebar and say kudos to them for a minute for, to the Philistines, because, you know, it, it takes humility to say, this was my bad. You know, this came upon me because of my bad, you know, um, I'll just use something that probably most people deal with, you know, um, in our culture, because we have in in the United States, we're blessed with like every kind of culinary cuisine of every uh, of all over the place, you know, and, and we're um, we have an abundance of food and and so an abundance of restaurants and fast food places. And it's just really easy, you know, to say. Um, you know, my clothes are getting tight. What do the cleaners do? You know, or um, or you know, it, it must be it must be those cleaners, or I'm just bloated. You know, nobody wants to go. I've I've been eating too much or whatever. So, you know, but to look at yourself in the mirror, you know, I'm saying figuratively, or to look at yourself and go, this was my fault. This was my fault. Obviously, this came on me. Obviously, I am where I am today. Or um, my finances are where they at. Let's just look. You know, I, I'm, I've been indulging. You know, sometimes we just need to turn ourselves in and, and just confess. You know, I've been indulging in this area. I've been unforgiving in this area. I've been lazy in this area. I've been, you know, let's um, one of my um, favorite ghost goes go tos go tos is I've been worried. I've been I've been my you know if you put on a scale. My, you know, how much I've worried compared to how much I've prayed, you know, the scale's going to weigh more towards the worry. I don't like that. That's, that's a sin too, is, you know, is to be anxious and worried because that's kind of synonymous with doubt. And so, um, you know, we got to check ourselves out. Are we in this situation? Are we in this frame of mind or depressed or sad or because of, um, you know, we got to look at us because we can, we're the only ones who could really, really make that decision and change us. And the beautiful thing about God is that, you know, first John one nine is that as soon as we're, um, as soon as we bring it before God, he's like, I got you, I got you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you. You know, read Isaiah chapter 41. I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you, strengthen you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to clean you up. I got you. I'm forgiven. And then he'll give you as as you seek him, he'll give you the way out. He'll give you the way out of um, how to overcome the temptation or, um, you know, show you in his word, you know, you know, something you read that day or bring to the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. This is the answer to that. And it's like, oh, OK, I can fix this. This is the answer to it. And you move on with your beautiful best self, you know, just you'll just move on. It's it, it's just not you don't have to park in that and be in remorse and condemnation like all day long. You can have a beautiful, productive day and overcome, you know, begin to overcome that thing and begin to produce. And it's never too late and it's never too far. And, you know, it's never um, God's mercy and his grace never wear out. But the more that we grow in God, the more um it is really so much harder to mess up than it is to just do the right thing. I mean, messing up and facing that is so much more painful than um, going backwards, you know, when when we've been created to go forward and to have dreams and visions and passions of things that God put on us to make a difference to 
um, bless our loved ones, you know, to change, you know, to make that change, you know, when we go backwards from that and we retreat from that, if anything, and we start even, you know, hurting ourselves and hurting other people or just, you know, things around us that we could be doing, you know, are not getting done. It doesn't feel good. It feels so much worse than just taking the time and the sacrifice and just get on with it. Just find the food plan, you know, and just stick on it. Just, um, you know, go through the withdrawals of the cigarettes, just do it. You know, you don't want to, you don't want the consequence of that thing to keep going. Or if you've been in sin or lying or just been in depression, you know, um, do something, look around the block, be thankful. Think of things, force yourself to use your mouth, to say things that you're thankful for. Just arrest that thing right then and there, because we're dealing with spiritual warfare all the time. And it doesn't matter if you believe in God or don't, or you believe in a devil or don't, there is some evil forces that hate you because they hate all men. And, um, they don't want you to be, they don't want you to be successful. They don't want you to be healed. They don't want you to have peace of mind. They don't want you to um, be to your life to be significant to anything and for you to know your purpose or walk in your purpose. So let me just stop there and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that anybody right now today that um, under the sound of my voice, I'll include me in this Two, that you would just um, identify identify very specifically that thing that we need to overcome or confess today um, or turn over to you or that thing that we've been procrastinating, um, giving or working on or um, forgiving, you know, making that phone call and forgiving or connecting with somebody that we've been avoiding. I pray, Father, that all of us today under the sound of my voice, that we will, um, we're going to be victorious in that. And you know what those things are for each one individually. So I pray at the sound of my voice right now, you speak to each individual person that under the sound of my voice, that's hearing this prayer and, and God, you're even all my, um, you know, that you would do this for all of us, even people who won't hear this, that you would just, especially the body of Christ, especially Christians, just convict us, Father, and that um, where we've been too critical, where we, we have not prayed and worried, um, where we have not helped to restore somebody, um, helped another person that's in need, just, you know, convict us of that today, Father, to, to make it right. And thank you for a second chance and waking us up this morning. And I give you all the glory for that in Jesus' name. And I'm almost done with this chapter. And I'm not going to, obviously, because I took a long time, I'm not going to do seven. I might do seven and eight in another podcast. But here we go. So, um, what was the verse that I left off? Okay. Okay. So they, they, okay. According to the number of cities. Um, and then it says verse 18 of chapter six and the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five Lords, both fortified cities and unwalled villages, the great stone beside which they set down the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. I always wonder, you know, when it says to this day, like there's a sign, I always wonder like before, you know, this world is over, will all these things that the Bible says to this day, um, will archaeologists find? They, they've, a lot of things are in the Bible where it says to this day, you know, that they found um, the stones in the Jordan and um, there's a lot of, you know, archaeological um, findings that 
completely confirm what the Bible says and what the thing, the things that happen in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I wonder if, if this is one of the things that they'll um, discover one day, the, the great stone that the Philistines set down um, as a witness. Anyways, verse 19. And he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the Ark of the Lord. My goodness, you couldn't even, because only the Levites, remember, only the the Levitical priesthood could um, Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking back at that verse. I had it wrong. The the stone was a witness in um, in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. This is not what the Philistines, this is not a stone that the Philistines set up, but the Israelites. Okay. Sally, um, verse 19. And he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. So we see here that God is not a respecter of persons. You know, they got it too um, because it was only, they they didn't handle the ark right. Even they didn't, you know, they forgot their own laws. Only the Levitical, Levitical priesthood was to handle the ark. Um Let's see. And verse 20, then the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? Yes, he is a holy God. Uh, That was me. And to whom shall he go up away from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim saying, the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. So I believe that they're calling on um, the Levitical priesthood. Like we can't touch this. And so you know, this is also very humbling. It's like, you know, um, there's an, or there's a way God is, um, God is very specific about who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And this is in his word, um, how to worship him, um, how not to worship him. And that, you know, it is an absolute. And so, you know, in those days on the other side of the cross, not that the not, you know, they, they weren't under this covenant that we are now. So the law was in effect and there were these judgments. So anyways, um, I am going to continue probably on another podcast at another time with first Samuel chapter seven. And just a note, I had a glorious time with the Lord on first Samuel chapter three, and I'm, I'm going to do a podcast on that possibly later today, but thank you all for being on this podcast again. I'm Mindy Joy with Mindy Joy Ministries. And I'm just so grateful for, um, this opportunity to, um, impart in your life anything or, or just inspire you to read the Bible for yourself and feel free to contact me um, at mindyjoymusic at gmail.com um, mindyjoymusic at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions or if this has been a blessing to you and um, have a beautiful blessed day or rest of your evening in Jesus name, bye